Well, hey, let's pray. Um, the other word that we kind of got this morning as we're coming out of the foggy groggy of the time change is um, Renee had a word like this. And she said what she saw was there were little like um, bird seed, like little crumbs on the ground, and we were kind of eating of them. And that was, that was kind of our take of the word of God. But really what God wanted to give us today was this fresh, hot loaf of bread, you know, something wonderful in his presence. So all morning we've been saying, hot loaf, hot loaf, all right? So you guys, let's join together and say, hot loaf, we need a hot loaf from God. (laughs) So, Lord, we do um, ask for the hot loaf of bread of God's word today, something that's wonderful and warm. And um, forgive us for where we've been satisfied with pecking these little uh, bird seeds of your word and, and calling that enough. So we ask, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today your super substantial, your supernatural bread. We confess that we don't live by bread alone, but by the word of God, every word that proceeds from your mouth. And whether it has anything to do with this message or not, we're praying that God speak to his people. I pray that there'd be wonderful flows of interactions between the spirit of man and the spirit of God today um, as we break open your word. We trust you. Forgive us for our uh, little mentality, and we want to feast on the great Feast that you have for us in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want you to think about all of your home office supplies right now. And, um, you know, uh, a few years ago, actually probably like 20 or 30 years ago, a man invented an adhesive. And he slathered this adhesive all over the corkboard. And it was wonderful because then all you, could, all you needed to do was you didn't need push pins anymore. You didn't need tacks anymore. You could just stick your paper on the corkboard and it would stay there. So my question for you today is how many of you have said corkboard? Yeah, not too many of you do. All right? And the reason is the guy who made this, his name is Dr. Spencer Silver. All right? And he works for a company. I won't tell you the company yet because I don't want to give anything away. He invented this adhesive, put it on the corkboard and said, wow, this is cool. What, what do we do next? Well, one of his buddies, a guy named Art one of his buddies took the idea, and he actually was in the church choir, and he was realizing he needed to, he wanted to kind of put pieces of paper in where they'd stay, but they'd not rip the paper, and he was kind of thumbing through his hymnal. So Art Fry, a colleague of Dr. Spencer's, creates a machine where he's able to apply a small amount of this adhesive. He had to modify the adhesive a little bit, but he modified the adhesive, he put a small amount on a piece of paper, And with that came the invention that in 1980 hit the market and the world hasn't changed since then. It is a post-it note. How many of you have post-it notes? Okay, probably a few of you have post-it notes. All right. So here's my thought here. We got those guys up there? We have, uh, let's see these guys. On the left is uh, Spent Silver and on the right is Fry. There they are. Thank God for post-it notes. Thank God for these men. Here's my thought. We're in this Fizz series, right? We're saying fizziness is our our uh, willingness and our propensity to share the gospel. Now, just like with these two guys, we had wanted a great idea, but the other guy had to modify it to really make it work. And so my sense is with us, when it comes to sharing the gospel, we do think about, hey, we should pray for this thing, right? I want to pray for my friend to, to get to know the Lord. But a lot of times we just pray these kind of all Lord save him prayers. When really the scripture gives us an awesome template and a wonderful way of how we can pray to see this thing happen, all right? So just like Dr. Silver, and then, um, I'm not sure if he's a doctor, but uh, Mr. Fry, good idea over here, but this guy perfected it. So today, some of us have got some 
decent like ideas that, hey, I need to pray for my friends who don't know the Lord. We're going to take that heart and we're going to, we're going to hone it today with the Scriptures. The Scriptures are very clear about how we can pray, how we can be fizzy, how we can evangelize and do it in such a way that is very effective, right? Because if I ask right now, if we pulled the congregation, all right, tell me about your prayer life in terms of evangelism. We'd have a few of you have some awesome stories about, well, I prayed for years and years. This is actually a story of mine. I prayed for years and years for my grandfather, and two months before his death, I was able to share the gospel with him very clearly with the Billy Graham tract. He was tearing. He received the Lord. And um, that was in October, and then end of November, he was with the Lord. Right? But now, I just, you know, if we surveyed the congregation here, how are we doing on that? How effective are our prayers for being fizzy? How effective are our prayers for evangelism? So let's look at the Word of God. Let's see what the Word of God has to say about this. Amen? Okay, turn with me to Colossians 4. Colossians 4, 2 to 4. And as we turn there, what I'm not going to advocate for us is another formula, like, okay, just do X, Y, and Z, and then your friends will get to know the Lord, or they'll move another place along that threshold, right? Last week, we talked about the five thresholds that these two IV guys um, have, have uh, um, documented in great detail and, and, and total effectively. But I am just inviting you, not into a formula, but I'm inviting you to another way of cooperating with the Holy Spirit to see God's work done. Colossians 4, 2 to 4. Listen to the voice of Paul through the ages. He says this. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I'll just read 5 and 6. These are good. This is good truth too. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seen with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 again. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So remember, we're asking God, okay, God, if there's a way that you want us to pray for our friends so that we are more fizzy, meaning we're more sharing the gospel and caring about the souls of others, what is that way? And the first thing that I need to pause and do is just in this verse 3 where Paul says, and pray for us. And I want to take note of Paul's humility here. Because when Paul is writing this letter, he's writing Colossians. He's imprisoned in Rome. He's had an incredibly fruitful three missionary trips, right? This guy has planted churches. He has seen many people come to Christ. And if there's a king of fizz on the earth at this time, it is Paul. He's been unbelievably fizzy. You know what I'm saying? He's sharing the gospel and has taken root. He's in Rome, and what does he say? He says, pray for us. In other words, this whole deal of sharing the gospel, proclaiming the message clearly, still for Paul, it is a challenge and is something for which he is asking prayer. And man, if you read Acts 26, if you read Paul, you know, when he's writing this letter, he just had the opportunity of a lifetime to share the gospel before King Agrippa, this high Roman official. We read in Acts 26, that he just proclaims the gospel in a glorious, very clear way. And King Agrippa says, you're insane. You know, he says, Paul, your learning has driven you crazy. And Paul says, I'm not insane. 
In fact, he says, I wish you were just like me except these chains. In other words, I wish you knew Jesus like I knew him except these chains. My point is this. Paul has, it's not like Paul has been bad at sharing the gospel before. He's been really good at it, effective and not holding back. And still, this man has the humility to say, he's in house arrest in Rome. You know, in other words, he's, he's able to have friends come and go, and he's able to share the gospel. And, and Acts 28 indicates that he's been sharing the gospel with the Jews in the neighborhood who then actually aren't, too, aren't digging what he has to say. And he says, he kind of, he throws Isaiah 9 back at him and says, all right, man, you guys are just like what Jesus said. You know, you guys are hearing but not understanding. You know, Paul's doing the stuff is what I'm saying. And he still says, and pray for us too. So if Paul, the king of fizz, guy who's really good at sharing the gospel, is saying, hey, pray for us, do you think you and I can take note of how he has people pray for him? Are you with me on this one? Come on, give me something back. Who's here? Give me something. Okay. Amen. We here? Are we foggy and groggy? No, you're not. You're not. No. (laughs) You're not foggy and groggy. You're clear. Okay? If Paul says this is how we can pray for sharing the gospel, to be fizzy, so to speak, in our series, then we want to listen to how he does it. So how does God, how does Paul want us to pray for him in sharing the gospel? Let's move on. He, pray, he says this, verse 3, pray for us to what? That God may open a door for our message. Okay, you just right now, you let the Lord bring your top five or your top ten list to your mind. Who are those people that you see at the grocery store? Who are your coworkers that you work with? Who don't know the Lord? Who are those people? And now look how Paul would have us pray. Look how God would have us pray. Pray that God may open a door for our message. Ooh, doesn't that feel good? Just like last week we talked about I'm free to be fizzy because it's a mystery, right? What's our job? My job, okay, let me just think of someone. Oh, yeah, okay. I think about this. I have a friend at the Y who he's been on my heart. And um, actually, God just opened a door. I'll tell you about it lately. But he's been on my heart. So what's my job? My job, according to the scriptures, is to pray, God, will you open a door so I can share the gospel with this man? What's God's job? His job is to open the door. And then when he does, our job is to walk into it and say, okay, Lord, give me grace to proclaim this thing. Right? God's job is to open the door. So we pray, God, open the door. So our job is to proclaim Christ. We need the open door, so we ask God, will you please open the door conversationally, right? Because you and I, have we both had those experiences when we barge down the door, right? Sometimes, you know, ooh, heard a good message on evangelism at church. I got to do this thing. Here's my cubicle neighbor. Jesus loves you. You need to know Jesus right now. Get saved. Ah! And they're just like, you are a freak, as I thought, you know? Now, we can be freaks for Jesus. That's okay. But there is a... There's a biblical way to do this. God, will you open the door for my message? You know, some of you guys have heard um, Brian Marcioni, who's taught here before. He's at the River Church. He's a great testimony of how he came to Christ and how he shares the Lord. He's an engineer. And um, uh, he's just a great case study of this, kind of moving through these thresholds. And just for those of you who weren't with us last week, these two university guys uh, kind of uh, have... They interviewed 2,000 of their people who had come to Christ, their students, and they realized that these thresholds were as such. Who wants to help me? First threshold is you get to trust a Christian, right? As far as an unbeliever coming to Christ, they trust a Christian. Second is they, they start to get curious. Ooh, what is this thing that makes them different? My cubicle mate is strange, but interesting. Okay? Third thing, and this is a big one where a lot of people drop out, it's 
they actually start to consider, should I change? Does this gospel hit me? What is it, you know, ooh, should I change? And then fourth is, it becomes very urgent and they, yeah, they become an actual seeker, right? Sometimes in our evangelical nomenclature, we just use seeker for who's not the Lord. But these guys make the point that really it's a small subset of people who are seeking, like this urgency, is Jesus real? And then the fifth one being, they enter the kingdom. They actually step the line and really it's a mystery in that they, like everyone of these thresholds is a mystery, but mysteriously, like all of us, many of us have experienced, we say yes to God, yes to faith, yes to repentance and belief. Anyways, my whole point. We sometimes barge down the door thinking that someone's at four or five in that little list. But if we start to pray, say, hey God, will you open the door? You know, maybe someone just needs that first step. They need to trust a Christian. So Lord, just open the door for my message. Right now my message is just, let's build a relationship here, right? You ask God to open the door and watch how things work. And I just want to say, be careful. Because as soon as this happens, I mean, things start to happen. I read this very thing, and now just so you know, I'm not drawing so much from the um, book I mentioned last week, these IV guys, uh, I Once Was Lost, Schaups and Everett, Don Everts and Doug, Doug Schaups. I'm drawing now from a New England pastor, his name is Chet Bettis. He wrote a book called Evangelism for the Tongue Tide. That's where a lot of this message is coming from. I love it because he's from Rhode Island. But I, I can tell you, I read this, this chapter on effective evangelistic prayers, and that was the next day was when this very person I've told you about the why asked me, well, what do you do? You know, we had had tons of conversation before, and then came the, what do you do? It's what men ask each other. What do you do, you know? Open door, right? I said, well, I'm going to tell you, but you can't act differently around me, because everyone does act differently, right? It's my usual thing that I do. I love what comes out of people's mouths. It didn't come out of his mouth, you know? When Kelsey and I did this once, we were at, a, at, the, at Portsmouth, New Hampshire, on the beach, and someone said, ooh, are you, do you work for the IRS? You know? You know, like, you're going to act differently when I tell you what I do. I said, no. Nah. Anyways, I'm a pastor. And so we start to have a conversation. And so right now, this guy at the Y, we have a relationship of trust. I may be the first Christian he's ever trusted. Praise God. Right? Because God opened the door. Watch out. You know, and some of you just say, oh, well, you're a pastor. It's easy for you. Hey, listen. Let me, let me bring you back into the lion's den when I was a public school teacher, okay? I'm not here to dog on the public schools, but I was definitely operating in enemy territory, it felt like, most of the time. And I would pray, okay, God, for my colleagues, will you give me an open door? And I'll never forget asking for an open door when I went on a ski trip. I started to get to know um, the guy who um, ran the ski trips. He was one of the more normal people in this school. And the fact that he was just a guy with three daughters and didn't have this edgy agenda that most just the, sorry, Lord, forgive me. Just this, this school that I taught at, like everyone had their high horse that they're on. Um, anyways, so he was just a little more not like that. And so I loved hanging out with him. So I just remember that lunchtime where I was able to explain to him that, hey, voting Republican and being a follower of Jesus weren't the same. You know, that, hey, this is why I follow Jesus. I'm, I don't have this agenda, but, but I follow Jesus. It's because I asked God, give me an open door. Or for tons of students, you know. Think of one student who we had a similar interest in aviation. And so after he graduated high school, I remember driving him to uh, the airport where he was going to fly. And so I was able to just say to him, hey, I just, you know, I'm so excited about your interest in aviation. That's where we connect. But I got to tell you about an interest that's bigger than, than that. And it's about Jesus. And, uh, you know, just on the way there, I'm able to share with him. But I can tell you in all those cases, it's because I said, God, will you open the door? I'm tired of kind of banging my head against the door. God, you open it. Amen? So God opens the door. Watch out. You ask for him to open the door, 
And I guarantee some of you will be on the phone tonight. Seriously, I think some people will call you. You're going to get a Facebook message that says, hey, can we talk about this? I guarantee if you start asking, God's going to do it. Okay? So this is what I like to say. I say, we get on the floor, God opens the door. All right? Everyone say that with me. We get on the floor, God opens the door. Let's try it again. You're too groggy and foggy. Here we go. We get on the floor, God opens the door. That's how this whole fizzy thing is going to work. Okay. What else does Paul say about how we should pray? A, he says we've got to pray for God to open the door. And then he says this. This is the rest of three and into four. He says that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. We've talked about that last week. Verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray that I may proclaim this mystery of Christ clearly. Look, there's no doubt that the gospel as a whole message is confusing, right? In his own letters, what did Paul say? He said, hey, this is a uh, stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. And as I mentioned before, when he testified before a high Roman official, King Agrippa, a step before going to Caesar, the official calls him insane, okay? The gospel is Sometimes, like, you just feel like this is on a different planet, God. You know, I don't know if you've ever felt that, like you're sharing with someone, and you're just like, this sounds so dumb, you know? 2,000 years ago, a man was crucified. I believe that he was risen from the dead, and that matters to me right now in my life, right? Sometimes it's, it's difficult. But this is what I like to think of when I think about sharing the gospel, and this might help us in our focus. My assumption is, if I'm with an unbeliever, is that they have some misunderstanding about the character of God, or they have some caricature of Jesus that they have from their childhood, right? I almost, like JD right now, right now I've been reading a little Jesus book to JD, my son, and his favorite page right now is the Christmas page, which has this little picture of a creche, and like baby Jesus with the halo, Mary with the halo, Joseph with the halo. It's all awesome stuff. I'm really glad that he loves that scene, but I've got this little concern in my heart and that is that I just don't want my son to grow up with an image of Jesus that is like, oh, isn't he cute? Nice little Jesus, you know? Because that's a misunderstanding of the power and the majesty and the reality and the glory of Jesus, right? I think is when we talk to people who are our friends at work and whatever, we realize that they have a misunderstanding of Jesus or, you know, their, their, their understanding of God is so minimal. So my point is this. In praying God, God, give me a chance to proclaim this mystery clearly, I'm not necessarily saying, like with my friend at the Y just a couple of weeks ago, that I have to unpack the whole thing for him right there, because that would take a while, and he had to work, and um, it just would have been long and drawn out and bizarre. But I say, okay, God, give me one, can I move someone one little nudge towards a better understanding of the character of God? And so right now, I'm assuming my friend at the Y, that for the first time he connected, whoa, Here's like a halfway normal person. Some of you may disagree about me. But here's a halfway normal person, and he's a pastor. He's not, you know, I'm assuming, this is just an assumption that from around here, that he probably grew up in the Catholic understanding, just picking up other clues from him. And so, you know, priest, far away. Sorry, nothing against the collar. Collar, far away, you know, distant, old. You're not old. We're, we're close in age, Nate. We're closer than you realize, I don't think. <clears throat> I mean, I think... So you know what I'm saying? But now, hopefully, we just moved my friend a little bit closer to, ooh, you know, maybe God's real. Maybe there's something to this. You know what I'm saying? 
So when we ask God, God, please, Lord, help me to proclaim the message clearly. I don't have this pressure. I've got to get through the four spiritual laws as Bill Bright has them. Awesome tool. But the pressure more, the happy pressure is, Lord, help me to, help me to reveal the character of God to this person in a, in, in a way, you know? And that, include power, you know, that can include power evangelism, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not excluding all the wonderful things we believe in. Like, hey, can I pray for your foot? Oh, Lord, I pray for your foot. Boom, they're healed. Praise God. You know, they have, like, Jeremy had a chance to pray in McDonald's a couple of months ago. We want to pray for that kind of stuff. So we pray, um, let it be clear, okay? And you just ask God, you know, so I'm always asking God, hey, what's the one thing that I can say? Just another quick example. Keith and I were at um, a restaurant uh, just about two weeks ago, and um, the server there, I was actually, just to walk you through this progression, the server had one of those, what I think is like a devil horn, you know, they have like the devil horn and like another little charm. On their, on their necklace. So I just said, hey. You know, at first I was really irritated. And I was like, well, why don't you move towards the person and not just be irritated with them. So I was like, hey, tell me about your, uh, your necklace, you know. And it turns out, well, these two things were both my dad's, you know. My dad who passed away. This, and she called it something else. Um, it's an Italian thing. It's not a devil horn. What is it? I mean, it is a devil horn, but they call it something else. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so whatever. This little horn thing. And then, you know, the other thing that she was wearing was, um, the, uh, was a, what was on her father's ring. And so Keith is with me. And, of course, that's where Keith takes the ball. Keith, who also has, has had his father pass away, says, you know what? That's awesome. I said, I have a Bible my dad gave me. And, um, and it's really special to me. And uh, boom. And you, you just feel the little shift in the atmosphere just happened there. You know? I could see because she kind of got a little nervous about it. But there was light was coming to darkness. You know what I'm saying? Amen? I'm just saying we're trying to move her along a little bit to, hey, God's real. The Bible's real. Here's, here's someone, you know, again, Keith, way more normal than I am. Here's a normal guy who's talking about, I've got a Bible and it's important to me. Amen. So we pray, Lord, help us to proclaim the mystery clearly as we should. There's a similar line of thinking in Ephesians. Paul probably wrote this, the letter of Ephesians um, at a similar time from prison in Rome. And he ends his letter in Ephesians in a really similar way. And he says this. He says, pray also for me. Again, remember he's in chains in Rome awaiting trial. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So we pray for grace to be clear and we pray for grace to be fearless doesn't mean we have to be loud or arrogant or rude, but just simply fearlessly, right? And sometimes it's just that little switch that goes on. You know, like for Jeremy at the McDonald's saying, hey, this could be a little awkward, but I'm just going to ask this group of teenagers, hey, I see that you're limping, can I pray for you? There's a little risk there. It doesn't happen at McDonald's too often, you know what I'm saying? But just a little fearless. Jeremy didn't have to grandstand, he didn't have to do whatever, but he just asked a little bit of boldness, right? And of course, you guys, I'm, I, let's share your stories. You've got thousands of stories here of you guys turning on the little fearlessness just to get the gospel out there in some way, shape, or form. So the cool thing is, when God opens the door, right, because Jeremy was in a spot where he was like, I want to be available to share the gospel. But when God opens the door, we share more. Can you say that with me? God opens the door, we share more. All right? We hit the floor, God opens the door. God opens the door, we share more. We share more clearly, we share more fearlessly. Let me just share a few other things about praying for those who don't know the Lord. Some helpful hints for us, okay? So a little potpourri of things. Anyone want a potpourri here? 
Who wants a potpourri of helps? Okay. I just like that word, potpourri. I should know its background, Josh. Potpourri, what is it? There are two French words there, pourri. Pourri means like disgusting, bad, yeah, like rotten. So it's a pot of rotten things, but somehow it smells good, I guess. I don't know. I guess after a while they get to smell good again. It's so bad. I don't know. Okay, let me give you some sweet-smelling things on how to pray for those who know the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul wrote, right? He said, hey, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. So, um, oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, so what you can do is as you get to know someone, you just want to pray, what are the specific things that are blinding them? You know, if you have shared a cubicle with someone for years and years, you probably have a clue as to, you know, is there this thing of bitterness in their life? You know, are they full of intellectual pride? Um, well, you know, what is the thing that blocks them from really knowing the gospel? Are they just a victim of this culture which talks about just, you know, every, everything's okay? You know, the kind of the, hey, the, the tolerance, quote-unquote, thing that goes along now, right? So you can pray right specifically into that blindness. Lord, I pray for my friend. Um, Lord, I pray against the intellectual pride that keeps them from knowing Jesus. Another thing you can pray is, if it's more from the standpoint of not someone who you already know, but as you think about praying through your day, and you kind of think through, hey, where are some opportunities that I might, my, I might meet people? You know, somebody take the train to work, whatnot. You can pray, Lord, give me the hungry humble. In other words, God, you know that my time on earth here is short. Um, I want to pray for people who are in that kind of stage four and five, right? Give me the ones who are actively seeking. Let me cross paths with someone who, who is already in great distress or looking for God. Or, you know, is there meaning to life? Pass, pass me along one of those. And another thing that you can do, and we've already mentioned here, is you can always pray for an unbeliever's prayer request, right? We have this little thing we do. We pray for our waiter, waitress. John, um, uh, Sean, just tell me from here, what happened? What did you guys, you guys prayed for a server. What happened? Here, why don't you come on up? Well, sorry, this is totally impromptu. We're all in the family. Who loves Sean Brennan? Okay. All right, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at Bertucci's just getting some food, a bunch of us after church, and we asked the server if there were batteries. Take nice. two. Come on, Green. All right, I can talk about it. We asked the server if there was uh, anything we could pray for him about when we were doing grace before the meal. And Thanks, Neil. <laughs> and uh, he didn't really have anything specific, but we... Uh, got a word, I, why can't I think of the name of the prayer? I think it was Heather, am I right? Yeah. Got a word for uh, cooking, that he was, like, kind of, God gave her that word for him. So we prayed it out, and uh, then afterwards we uh, got, he came back at the end of the meal, and we started to talk with him, and he was saying that he was really interested in going to cooking school, and at that time he didn't really know we prayed for him, but... Uh, about that specifically, but um, it got out, and he really seemed more open to the idea that there's God there, Amen. and it was great because he was working with one of the people that comes to the harbor, is associated with the harbor, so Amen. right in there, another one of the waitresses. Praise God. Sean, why don't you pray for that server right now? We're all, we'll all agree. All right. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that man, that he is your son, your chosen son, Lord. We thank you that he had the opportunity, we had the opportunity to cross paths with him and to bring him 
more knowledge of the truth, Lord. We pray that he reaches out to someone in your kingdom that will lead him forward, that him and his wife will be better because they know you, for everyone who knows you is better because of that, Lord. So we pray this for him, and in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said? Watch out, Sean's got preaching him. He wants to plant a church with Sean. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Okay, so two things I want to highlight is they prayed for the unbeliever's prayer, right? His prayer was, hey, there's something vocational going on there. And they prayed for him, although Sean said he, he didn't know it at the, at the time. But that's just a good habit to get into. But also, Heather, whoever initiated the prayer request, right, once you start praying, hey, God, will you open doors for me? Whether you're thinking about specific people or think, thinking about your time frame, then when the doors open, you walk into them more, right? Because you're aware. I've prayed. Lord, give me an open door to proclaim the message. Oh, I'm at Bertucci's. Oh, I'm going to say grace. Oh, you know, you walk into the open doors. Amen? Okay, a few other things we're going to take from Colossians 4 too. But as we do that, I'm going to ask Jade and um, Elizabeth and Kathy to start passing out something to help you do this. So everyone gets a post-it note in honor of our friends, uh, Dr. Silver and uh, Mr. Fry from 3M is the name of the company. You guys all know the 3M story. Post-it notes. So you get that post-it note, you take one, and as the post-its are coming down, I want to go back to Colossians 4.2. Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Okay, if we're serious about this, getting more effective in our evangelistic prayers... The first thing that Paul says is devote yourself. Okay, how easily do you think the enemy wants to let go of someone who is blinded? Yeah, not at all, okay? The Bible is really clear. I'm not trying to freak anyone out here, but the Bible is very clear that our enemy, A, is real, that the devil exists, and that he's got a fury that, has, that is just unbelievable. Because he knows he's going down, and his job is, as he goes down, to take everyone with him, take as many people as he can. So when you're praying for your parents or for your family or for your colleague or for whoever that don't know the Lord, you have to realize that you're engaging in spiritual battle and it's real. As we said last week, there's a mystery here. All you can really do is scatter the seed. It's God who brings the growth, whether you sleep or wake. But Paul's thing here is devote yourself to prayer. That's one way that we can be scattering the seed. So we've got to be devoted. So I've given you a post-it note. So you can start, you can write down the name of one, two, three, five, ten people in your life who don't know the Lord, who are in your kind of sphere. I hesitate to say geographical because now with Facebook and social media, you really can have like a decent conversation with someone who's a thousand miles away. Decent in the sense of you could talk about this stuff. But I just, what I want you to do is I want to write down, I want you to write down the names of people who you can pray for. And, you know, that God can open a door and you can walk into it, you know? Because, again, what we're after today is moving from the, oh, Lord, just save them prayers, to the, Lord, I pray that you'd open a door for me to enter in and share the message. Do you see the difference? Right? God, just save them. Save them. Get them somehow. Thank you, Lord. Verses, Father, I pray, open a door for me to proclaim the message clearly. Okay? Because you're a part of the solution. And there's a chance for you to open the door. So you start writing down those names, and you realize it's going to take devotion. And at the same time, the balance I'll give is people aren't projects, 
Okay, your value, your self-worth does not come from whether you can check something off that list. I feel great. I mentioned that student that I mentioned who we had a commoner interest in aviation. I was able to share the gospel with them. I feel great that I got to share the gospel with them. What I mean is what is checked off my list is I sowed a seed, right? I prayed for an open door. God gave the open door. I entered in and I shared the gospel. The rest kicks back to what we talked about last week, right? With the, with the sower, that it's mystery now. I mean, I can keep up with them. There's other things I can do to be a good farmer. But my point is, I feel great about the fact that I shared, but my self-worth isn't based on the fact that he hasn't decided to follow the Lord yet. That's what I'm trying to get to. You get, it, get to that? See what I'm saying? Someone give me a yes or an amen. There we go. Okay? Devote ourselves to prayer and watchful and thankful. Be watchful and thankful. Watchful. That means we're expecting that God's going to move. As I mentioned to you, watch out. You might pray this right now in church, and I, I just think that some of you are actually going to have conversations tonight. Someone's going to call you. You're going to get a little message on Facebook. I just guarantee it. I'm not kidding. Okay? It's going to happen because you're praying according to the Word of God. Lord, I pray you'd open a, a door for my message. Okay? So we're watchful. That is expecting that God's going to move, and we're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful for the opportunity to share when they come, right? Regardless of how people respond. Amen? Amen. We hit the floor and God opens the door. God opens the door and we share more. Amen. You guys stand up as you're writing those post-its. Worship band, come on up.